0: Welcome to the virtual Irkham Yurt. I'm Yelena Kilina, and today I'm hosting the Chat in the Yurt podcast, and we are about to embark on a journey through Uyghur culture. And our special guest today is Sonia Imin, a mixed Uyghur-American PhD researcher, and also one of the co-editors of the contemporary Uyghur anthology, beautifully called Under the Mulberry Tree. Uh, That's a collection of art, poetry, and prose, made its debut last year and was released again early this spring. Sonia, a very welcome to you. Thank you so much, Jelena. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm very, very curious about about all the topics we are going to discuss. Uh, But to start off, uh, what is your connection to Uyghur culture and what inspired you to co-edit this collection?
1: Uh, Yes. So um, I am mixed Uyghur American. I was born in the US, but I have lived experience in the Uyghur homeland. And so I have many core memories uh, from that region, from my home, my family. And as far as the Uyghur anthology, uh, sometime, I believe it was two years ago at this point, I was approached by a friend of mine to ask if I was interested in helping to put together a book. And um, I had already begun doing things around, we would creative production at that point. And so I was very excited about being a part of this project. And the first edition was made in partnership between the Tarim Network and Renee Kassan, which is a... Jewish human rights organization based in the UK. And so there was a team of four of us that worked together um, for about a year, putting together workshops, um, soliciting submissions, and finally putting everything together. And like you said, we came out with an early edition last year. We had a book launch in London in the UK. And then after some uh, re-editing of it, we wanted to um, put in some editorial notes, so some comments about the submissions, some historical context, cultural context, maybe for people who were not familiar with Uyghur culture. And um, we finally put that together, and uh, it came out this spring. And so we're very excited, very proud of it. And um, it's available worldwide if you want to go look it up and uh, get your own copy. And we're hoping that this becomes an ongoing series. And we're actually in conversations
0: about putting together um, a second one. Oh, that's exciting. Well, you mentioned that it took around one year to prepare the first Mm -hmm. edition. And could you tell us uh, like some uh, basic facts, how many, around how many uh, contributors helped you to mm-hmm. release the book and what are the main topics of the book? Sure. So um,
1: oh, I can't remember the exact number of contributors, but there's over 30 people who have helped. And, um, and so it was a team of four editors, I, myself and three others. And then all the people that were trusting enough to share their stories and their work with us, and we had a couple book editors, uh, sorry, uh, like design editors, who book designers, I guess is the better term for all of that, who designed the book and helped us put that together. Um, and yeah, we're all just very proud of what we were able to put together. And um, we've done a couple events with the contributors um, where we've invited them to come together and share their work, maybe do some poetry readings or to talk a bit about their artistic work. We had an event at Harvard University this spring and, uh, that was really exciting to be able to share a space with the contributors and the editors and create some type of community environment around this book.
0: Yeah, I guess the community building is especially important nowadays when many artists uh, well have to stay away from the homeland, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this leads me a little bit to your topic of your research, because mm-hmm. you're doing a mm-hmm. PhD in Brussels. Mm-hmm. Um the topic of making art in exile, like a creative production mm-hmm. and cultural transformation, Uyghur diaspora. Um, I know it's mm-hmm. it's not an easy topic, but what are the key challenges that Uyghurs face in preserving their culture and identity identity, of course, while living in exile?
1: Uh, sure. Um I think there's kind of two components um to your question. I think there's the experience and the challenges of preserving culture and identity in general. Um, And I think that one of the major challenges to this are um, education and access to culture. Um, The Uyghur diaspora, at least in the West, is relatively small and only really began maybe in the 90s and or after the 90s. Um, there are groups of Uyghur diaspora in Central Asia, so in Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, who came in the 50s and 60s, but in the Western diaspora uh, is relatively recent. And so it's only recently that we've been de- able to develop different types of educational programming or um, cultural uh, preservation practices or preservation projects. Um, And so that's still kind of at its early stages. But as far as um, looking at making art and the artistic production, which is somewhat related to cultural preservation when it comes to my work, but also not Um, because it's more about cultural expression as opposed to preservation. I think those can be, I just want to make a quick distinction there. But as far as artistic production and what it means for artists to make work um, while being an Uyghur person, uh, one of the big challenges to that is the politicization of Uyghur identity. And so there are, is a lot of um, talent within the Uyghur diaspora, many creative people, but because of what's happening back home and just the geopolitical dynamics, it means that our identity is very politicized. And so this can mean that a lot of artists have to frame their work either through a very um, uh, explicitly political lens and so having to directly, um, like it needs to be framed within these allegations of genocide in order to receive funding or um, uh, to be in alignment with uh, maybe certain human rights projects that are wanting to fund that kind of work. Um, Or it becomes in the completely opposite direction where It's difficult to receive funding because of China's global political power. And and so having to be put in a position to where they can't talk about what's difficult and about what's happening back home. And so this creates a big polarization when it comes to good artistic work, artistic representation. It can be... Extremely like represents like a lot of our trauma on one end or on the other end. It's can be it can feel or be portrayed as, um, I don't know, like it's not mentioned whatsoever. And it's more, oh, like the beauty of our culture and these ideas of we're good people being, um, good at singing, good at dancing. Uh, have great food All, and the thing is like both of these things are true right like yes there's suffering and yes there's beauty um and the reality is these things can exist at the same time and um which I hope is what the um the anthology was able to portray a bit but I think that's one of the challenges that I've seen within my work and my research about making art um in the diaspora and western diasporas the tendency for things to be extremely politicized and thus polarized and flattening Uyghur stories and um kind of erasing a bit of the nuance that's there.
0: Yeah yeah I can I can see that happening yeah hmm I'd never even thought about it but yeah thank you for pointing this out i think many listeners will be surprised to learn about this Hmm. but thinking back about general beautiful uyghur culture Mm -hmm. what do you think the general public should know maybe one thing something that's somehow not that known and just if i could attach another question uh, yeah what's the story behind this beautiful title under the mulberry tree does the tree hold a very special meaning to Uyghurs? Yeah, um, so it actually comes from
1: a, so under the mulberry tree is, it um, uh, comes from the um, Anayurt, which is a um, very famous Uyghur book. And in Anayurt, in this story, um. There is a moment where um, one of the characters in the book, Nuri, is facing lots of difficulties and um, there's a certain moment where he is sitting under a mulberry tree and finds comfort and finds solace. And so that's where we took this title and there's actually an excerpt of this part of the story in the anthology and so with an English translation and so people who get the book can also read this excerpt from Anayurt and also mulberry trees is very common back home and probably throughout Central Asia and there's lots of core memories of uh, you know going to the family's orchard and getting black mulberries all over your hands if you have the black mulberries or the white mulberries things like that so that's where the title comes from and in terms of what the general public should know about weed culture I mean it's difficult to kind of like distill all of that into something that's like quick and easy um but I think um I don't know, it's like I mentioned a little bit before about the nuance and about how multiple things exist at the same time, especially within the Uyghur context. And um yeah, and I think that's something that I want. Would like people to know is that um, Uyghur culture is deep. There's um, historical knowledge. Um, there's contemporary knowledge. It's beautiful. It's complex. Um, and maybe it's like I don't know. It's like culture is kind of like um, like a sense of smell, right? Like it's you. you you, like when you smell something you experience it with your like whole body you know exactly what it is like this smells like coffee this smells like bread but if someone asks you to explain what that was like it's hard to explain it a bit like oh this is what bread smells like right but you but you know because you've experienced it and I think that's the thing it is with culture and Uyghur culture is that you know it's it's very tangible you know exactly what it is or you when you see it you feel it you sense it but then to explain it is a little difficult and so
0: i really (laughs) like your answer and also uh explanation why the ontology was called under the mulberry tree i think that's the Mm -hmm. perfect um i would say element that's combining both uh, representation of the group culture is beautiful historical mm-hmm. and old and also also multi-layered and you mm-hmm. need to show that the struggle that the uh, people are experiencing right now it's somewhere in the between it's beautiful but it gives you solace and hope yes absolutely yeah well thinking about uh, uh, well, resilience Uh, which is also an important element of the Uyghur experience nowadays, unfortunately. Well, um, could you maybe elaborate um, on the connection with the homeland homeland, and the diaspora and how that influences artistic expression of the artists from Uyghur background? Sure.
1: Um, And so homeland is very special very present Um, I can't remember exactly but I just came from a trip to um, in Tashkent where there was a a really large um, art exhibit that focused just on Uyghur artists and um, there was an artist his name is Samajan and he's 83 years old And he was talking about how, besides your own mother, your biological mother, you have four other mothers. Hmm. And for the life of me, I can't remember all of them. (laughs) But of course, one of them is um, the motherland. And then also like the um, mother tongue. And so uh, on the yurt and then on the till. And then some other two, two other ones that um, he told me to remember, but I didn't remember. Um, But, um, but I don't know, I think your question kind of reminds me of what he said that, um, and this is someone who left the homeland when he was very young, Um, when he, I I can't remember exactly, but I think he was like, um, like a, a boy at the time when he left his hometown in Khulja and then came to uh, Bishkek. He lives in Kyrgyzstan. And so his work, his art is all about those memories of the homeland. And he has remained connected to being Uyghur throughout all of this time for the past like 70 something years. And so I think that when it comes to artistic expression and like cultural maintenance and what it means to be Uyghur outside of the homeland, it's so much of it is through memory. And That's also the theme of the anthology actually, this first volume, like we didn't have a theme when we asked for the contributions, but so many of our responses were about memory. And so I think that really shapes a lot of it. And I think especially because going back home is not really safe at the moment. And so that makes these memories so precious. And there are many different ways to reconnect to memory, Um, whether you're an artist or not, that can be listening to some kind of music. It can be um, eating some type of food. But for others, and for example, Sabirjan or a lot of the other artists that were at the exhibit in Uzbekistan in Tashkent, it's through this visual memory of the homeland and trying to, through their art, elicit a feeling of being back home, even if they haven't been able to go back for many many years.
0: Yeah, I see. Actually, I saw on Instagram, Instagram of the mm-hmm. anthology. Uh, some reels or clips from that exhibition mm-hmm. and yeah it looked like a wonderful one <laughs> i'm not yeah. sure if it's still owned or mm, no it's not it's closed at this point
1: okay. but um but there uh, like you said it's on instagram uh it's kutluk so q-u-t underscore l-o-o-k kutluk um there's a online gallery of the artists who participated and some of their artwork so you can find more information about that exhibit there
0: <laughs> perfect uh, it's wonderful that we have so many uh, tools and means to keep uh, those visuals those memories alive and available to more people mm-hmm. um thinking about more people thinking about the general public uh, I guess quite a <laughs> straightforward a question but are there any misconceptions like common misconception about Uyghur culture that your anthology and your research uh, aim to challenge sure um, so I mentioned a little bit
1: before about the kind of hyper politicization and so at least in the West I uh, mean I can probably say globally also, Um, so much of Uyghur culture and being Uyghur is seen through um, a lens of uh, victims of their current circumstances. And because that's really when, at least for myself, like no one... Like growing up, where through most of my twenties, no one ever knew who Uyghurs were, ever. Like, and suddenly, at a certain point, people would be like, "Oh, I know who Uyghurs were," and then suddenly they'd say, "Oh, I'm so sorry." Like, you know, like I say who I am, and they feel bad for me, right? Like, "Oh, I'm I'm sorry for you," and and on one side, I understand why that is. Right. Like, yes, what's happening is difficult, but also I'm so proud of who I am and my history too. And the like again, these things kind of happen at the same time. Um, and so like being we would is not unlike being anybody else in some ways, like In the sense that at the end of the day we all like eat sleep cry like any other human but there are specific also very specific complicated things that make um, our experience some things feel very heavy and i think this is something that at least through the anthology, I hope creates a sense of connection, the connection between the humanness of being Uyghur alongside with creating awareness about our specific culture and our specific struggle and creating this sort of commonality and connection in that way. Um, But like you said, these misunderstandings or misrepresentations, that's something that I'm really interested in my academic work and so I'm really interested in looking at and doing analysis on the sort of um, narratives of representation in media or in public discourse and so what are the um, like to actually quantify how Uyghurs are Um, represented in discourse, and so in words, but also visually represented, Um, and how does that intersect or um, relate to how we self-identify or how we want to be self-represented, and how does that navigate or how does that kind of come under this umbrella of um, art and visual representations? with the idea that artists are the people that can exhibit and portray nuances, um, who can portray and exhibit this sort of intertwinedness and multiple dimensions of identity and of um, experiences. And so that's something that I'm also really interested in my academic work also.
0: Well, that's great to that have uh, both the like background and interest and also you're an, uh, I can say you're an artist yourself and you can mm-hmm. use all this knowledge to conduct an academic work I think mm-hmm. that's wonderful <laughs> kind of combination of skills and knowledge and expertise mm-hmm. and passion of also um, not sure how far you are in your PhD process but mm-hmm. are there any preliminary findings you could already share with us or it's just way too early to talk about those? Yeah, so I
1: just I start I'm the start of my second year in my program. Um it feels like I just started yesterday. <laughs> um and so mostly what's been happening so far is I've been doing preliminary research and field work um, before I kind of start digging really into my specific dissertation topic. But I guess some things that I'm interested in looking at right now. So to me, it's like kind of clear to make generalizations around uh, Western representations of Uyghurs in media and public discourse. But what is unclear to me right now or things that I'm really interested in is the um, artistic response to that. And so I've been in the process of meeting with artists um connecting with different groups and initiatives, creative initiatives to try to create a, um, uh, like a, what's the word? Basically my sources, my research participants who uh, would be willing for me to ask them more in depth questions about these topics and to really kind of create um, a clear understanding of the different narratives and discourses that the artists want to portray in their own sort of self identification of themselves as an, as an individual, as an artist, but also how that relates to being Uyghur in general and an Uyghur in diaspora or an Uyghur in exile
0: wow that sounds promising and <laughs> like you're going to have a lot of work but that that will bring mm-hmm. a nice fruit i mean i guess yeah. it'll be nice to, to to catch up later and to see how it ha- developed by you know yeah um, for sure we'll have it for years <laughs> yeah ask me back on a podcast in like four <laughs> years when i'm done <laughs> yeah good idea let's do that um yeah, and since you've met so many, perhaps you're still, of course, you have been meeting so many good artists and cultural producers. Um, I don't know, uh, whose work do you find particularly impact, impactful in this mm-hmm. context of diaspora or in general? Maybe some names or projects that we should know about. Yeah, so, um,
1: I think for sure the um, the Kutluk, that project I mentioned earlier, um. Yeah. But the person who's behind that that I want to mention is um, a woman named Gulnaz Tursun. She's an artist and curator based in Almaty, and she basically helped organize this exhibit in Tashkent in like two months, um, and it was a huge success. Um, she was able to bring together so many artists from across Central Asia, but also. Um, from Europe, from the US, to come and bring their work to exhibit in Tashkent. And so it was an amazing project, an amazing exhibition that was made and created, curated by Uyghurs for Uyghurs. And um and it was so amazing to attend both as um a researcher, but also as an artist. I exhibited my own work there. I had an installation that was shown there. Um, but then also to have all these conversations from the Uyghur community who came to this exhibit. Um, there were people who came from, of course, lots from the local community in Tashkent, but also from people who came from Almaty, from Bishkek, uh, to come see it as well and uh, there was a uh, like the Uzbek television station I think came and uh, interviewed a bunch of people created this like little program that they shared on Facebook and um, and as I was watching through it I saw an interview of this older Uyghur apash who was born like a Momai, like um older woman right and she was born in gulja came to tashkent and she was talking about how she has two uigur two or three uigur um, daughter-in-laws two or three Uyghur, uh, uzbek daughter-in-laws and how when like all of her descendants like her children grandchildren there's 83 of all of them which is like insane but also she was saying how amazing it was for her to come and to see this exhibit to see this artwork and how much it reminded her of home and how impacted she was by this and I think that was so amazing to see like I think sometimes um I don't know, like we can think of art as being like, oh, young, hip, cool people are interested in art. But to go to the, this exhibit and they see so many Uyghur elders come and see it, um, these elders who have these childhood memories of being in the homeland and then coming into Central Asia and living, this woman had lived, I think, in Pashkent for, I can't remember maybe 50 60 years at that point but um and and to see how emotional it made them feel was also just incredibly impactful for me to see and so this kutlug uh, project and um they're hoping to um uh you know bring it to other places everyone was saying oh this is just the first one just you wait you know we're going to be here and there next next year so who knows when that's going to happen but fingers crossed um and as far as other artists um someone that I've been connected to for a while is an artist named uh Kamila Dilshat she's based in London and she just um and uh, finished her master's in art and um, she's great she uh, is a sculptor and installation artist and her work really revolves around the topics of memory of home and she explores it through um really embodied practices I would say and so um this these ideas of hunger of fullness of taste of touch and uh, how that expressed these ideas of yearning for something of um wanting something but maybe not ever being able to attain it um it also touches on these ideas of ancestry, like about how our bodies and our experiences are not just ours, right? But also whole are connected through um, our parents, our grandparents, right? That's where these memories come from, these experiences of home. And what I really appreciate about her work is that she comes at it through a very personal way. So she's talking about herself and her own story as um, an Uyghur we British person who was born in the UK, raised there, but also what it means for her to be in this like specific place that she's at. And she doesn't necessarily try to say like, oh, this is Uyghur art. No, this is like Camilla's art, you know, (laughs) and um and her story. And um and I think as an Uyghur person to see her work, um, anybody that I've shown her work to, they as an Uyghur person, they they get it, right? They like, they're like different things that you can see that creates like a sense of, oh I know what that feels like. Right. And I think that's the thing about art and about, um, I don't know. I, I also prefer like three-dimensional work. And so I have a soft spot for like sculpture and installation, but there's something about seeing something with your eyes, but then you feel it in your body, you feel it in your heart. And I think, um, Camilla's work does that, um, you maybe you'll see a pile of um sunflower seeds Mm -hmm. and next to um a piece of uh sheep's wool and it's just like and it's just like an object right but you see it and you feel something and if you're from central asia or if you're uyghur that it's deep right and it, you maybe can't quite put it into exact words what it feels like but you get it um but also sh- there's and but it's also not just for what we will say. it's um anyone who is maybe an immigrant in Europe or in the US um is someone who has um a complexity of identities somebody who comes from a different cultural background has a different lived experience is marginalized in whatever kind of way you can see her work and see the work of we good artists and um, like she, one of the themes that she does a lot that I really like is um tongues um because I think that I don't know <laughs> it's like um this like the tongue as a representation of language, which is something that's so important for Uyghurs, but also a way to like taste, right? For food, Um, this idea of speaking or not being able to speak, right? For those of us who have been maybe disconnected from our mother tongue and maybe don't speak it as well as we would like to. Um, maybe we can't speak our language, we can't use our tongues in that way, but we, but we can eat. Like I know what, I know what my food tastes like, right? And, and I think there's something about, even if you're not Uyghur, if you come from like a first second generation, uh, immigrant background, you can see this kind of work and be impacted by it in some way and um, have it create some sort of understanding for yourself and your own experience. Um, I think, so I wanna be personal, impactful, and also just to kind of share with broader audiences about like, I don't know, like the beauty and complexity of the world and the globe and all of us and all of its inhabitants, you know? And um, we're all so, so different, but there's
0: also a lot that we have in common. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't have to be Uyghur or Central Asian to fully relate to some experiences. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the beauty of this art. It's very multidimensional. It's very complex. And we all can experience it differently. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Sonia, for all this profound, beautiful um, rich answers uh, mm-hmm. it's been my absolute pleasure to talk to you uh, but it's time to conclude our chat <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you so no, much thank from you. our team
1: yeah thank you so much for having me it's been a privilege to be able to talk here with you today
0: and of course we'll be looking forward to your findings and to the new editions of the Under the Memory Tree And to our listeners, remember, your voice also matters. So join the conversation by sharing your ideas, questions, or thoughts on our social media channels. And most importantly, thanks for tuning in. And until next time, chat in the yurt.